Welcome to this latest episode in the Project Edward 2021 podcast. I'm Neil Barrett and as we record this episode it's seven days since the end of our week of action. Between the 13th and 17th of September our three Kia electric vehicles went around the country to highlight the campaigns, operations and technology that are helping to make our roads safer. Here's a quick look back on the week with Peter Baker. James and Darren and the blue car kicked off proceedings in Plymouth alongside Devon and Cornwall's Police and Crime Commissioner Alison Hernandez. The car was part of an extensive convoy of emergency service vehicles. Over the week, the blue car team visited Operation Tramline, which uses a truck cab to let police officers look for unsafe driver behavior. A Royal Mail depot to focus on work vehicles and drivers being fit for the road and the new forest to look at road use from a horse rider's point of view. The blue car road trip also took in the Waitrose Distribution Centre and Pont Abraham services at the western end of the M4 motorway. Simon, Graham and Stuart in the white car spent Monday in Ely in Cambridgeshire looking at a Surround the Town event. They joined the many stands and activities in Market Square. The team were witness to the launch of two counties' Vision Zero strategies Essex on Tuesday and Kent on Wednesday. Guests at the Kent event included Prince Michael of Kent and Baroness Via, the Minister for Transport. Simon spoke at the event where Project Edward was given wholehearted support. Neil and Tim in the black car spent the first part of the week in Scotland watching nursery school children go safe with Ziggy, the Scottish early years road safety education character. They visited the Traffic Scotland Trunk Road Network Control Centre and attended an event at the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service HQ. A visit to Middlesbrough Community Fire Station saw one of many casualty extrication demonstrations as well as the launch of new community speedwatch equipment and other high-tech kit. The team spent a day with Lincolnshire Police on speed, education and enforcement duty and looked at targeted operations in Nottinghamshire and the West Midlands. On Friday, all three road trips converged on an HS2 construction site in Warwickshire for a staff road safety event, attended by some of our partners and addressed by senior HS2 leaders. And let's not forget the UK's first ever Safe Speeds Day, where for the first time, Police across England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland joined forces to target excessive speed on our roads for 24 hours, starting on Wednesday morning. Thanks, Peter. I should just add, throughout the week, all the road trips linked up for live web broadcasts, sharing the work going on and speaking to people on the ground, uh, making it happen. I mean, you can watch all nine broadcasts if you want to on projectedward.org or on our YouTube channel. Have a look there if you wish. We covered a lot of ground, I think, geographically and in terms of the work and technology we were able to highlight. But what did the week achieve? Did it raise the profile of road safety in the mainstream media? What about social media? Did it enable local leaders to, I don't know, commit or recommit themselves to the cause? There's quite a few questions. I would like to explore those, but more of that in a little while. For now, I'd like to talk about the Hazard Express. This new road safety vehicle is described as a virtual insanity experience, and it's been over two years in the making. 
Now, launched to a large audience last week, it's hoping to transform how Leicestershire Fire and Rescue Service do road safety education from now on. Joining us is, is watch manager Paul Spate from Leicestershire Fire and Rescue. Hello, Paul. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, good morning and thank you for inviting me. Uh, you're very welcome. Tell us more about the Hazard Express. It's the coming together of two projects that we've run in Leicestershire Fire and Rescue Service over the last possibly six to seven years. It all started with the launch of a, what we called the VF4 car, which is a virtual fatal four. Uh, it was a car which we'd added hydraulics to, lots of video screens inside to give the students a virtual experience of a road safety collision and an inappropriate drive and give them the ability to highlight areas of where the driver was making mistakes and where they could improve their driving. And that was the first stage. And after about three years, we needed to kind of update the film. So we went and made a 360 film, uh, which has had kind of unbelievable success. It's used worldwide. And again, we needed to, after a couple of three years, do something new again and I just had this idea I was at an event in Germany and I I saw these motion platforms and I thought what if we put our 360 immersive kind of experiential learning experience onto a motion platform so we could add movement so so we're engaging kind of uh, more your senses uh, and haptics so the the kind of end user gets a fully immersed experience which creates a memory so hopefully then that memory will kind of come into play if ever they find themselves in a situation uh, similar to what we've put them through. So decided to put, put a bid in f- uh, for our underspend in the fire service. We went backwards and forwards a few times, uh, but the good thing was uh, because of the success of the previous two projects, uh, our senior managers said, yeah, you know, let's, let's go for this. Uh, the original car was coming to the end of its life. So through our fleet management, you know, there was budget there to replace that. So we thought we'd go for a bigger vehicle. The inside of the vehicle, it was, we had to put a kind of a cost in together for what we wanted. And that was a little bit um, ballpark figure would be an understatement because we didn't know all the pricing, but we got some, some prices, put them together. Uh, and we went to our part, local partnership, Leicester Leicestershire and Rutland Road Safety. And they kind of fund, match funded us for the internal build, which uh, kind of reduced the amount I needed off the service. And after about, I'd say eight to 12 months of backing and throwing, uh, the kind of the project was given the go ahead. And uh, then the, the kind of story really began. Yeah, I could imagine. Well, it's good to hear that that was sort of partnership funded, but it sounds like there was a bit of internal money that you had available as well, which is, which is good. But um, I mean, how did the bidding process go? I mean, I assume that was quite a long part of, of this couple of years. Yeah, we had to we had to do put a capital bid in for the fire service. Uh, so I sat down with my line manager and we kind of kind of wrote that out and put that in. And again, it comes the process is it'll, they'll look at it and they'll come back for a few kind of amendments and a bit more understanding of certain areas. Um, but while that was happening, I'd also put a, a bid for funding into our road safety partnership because uh, annually we can bid for money for projects. Um, and again, the first two projects were kind of funded through the partnership and they knew the success we've had. And uh, I think basically they said, well, the first two have been successful. Why would the third not be? And they liked the idea. And uh, so they said they'd match fund. Um, so that money came through. Uh, the only problem was then we got hit by COVID. So I had the money mm-hmm. um, and then COVID put us back quite, quite substantially because you know, some of the stuff we were buying was from Europe, so we couldn't get it. Uh, some of the factories we were using were kind of all the staff were furloughed, uh, so that put a hold. Uh, the van was coming from Germany, and uh, that was that was stuck. <laughs> so there was there was lots of um, areas which we were 
I wouldn't say hindered, but we're just held up just yeah. because of the COVID pandemic, which, you know, I mean, it's, it's affected everybody, but uh, yeah. you know, we just, we just oh, kept so going. And we, I think, to be honest, the COVID, the COVID pandemic has helped the design and the development of the van. Because although yeah. I had my, my vision of what it should look like, you know, with the delays, it allowed me to look in more depth. Then I made some tweaks, and I think we've got a better vehicle now because of COVID than we would have had before because it gave me that time to cheat, tweak and change things as we went along. So yeah, that it, makes it, sense. It did help I just, me in that I just want to ask you about the target audience. Uh, who, do you, who, do you tend to, who do you intend to take it out to over the next year or two? We, we have a rolling programme already in kind of less Leicester and Rutland where we go into um, year 11. So we're doing like 16, 17, 18-year-olds in schools. We do between 12 and 15,000 a year already with our kind of our VR headsets and road safety presentation. Uh, the van will just become another resource uh, for us to use. We'll, the headsets are now included in the van. Um, and so it's, it's a bit of a blended approach. We do a presentation to the whole year group, and that could be anything from 80 to three, 400 students. And then they'll come out in, in smaller groups to the van and the messages in the van reaffirm the messages we've given in the presentation. And it gives us a second opportunity to engage with the students and talk. Um, and it's not just aimed at the drivers, you know, it's also aimed at the passengers, you know, because we all know how the passengers can influence the driving. So what we'll do is, is um, kind of make sure we, we target the passengers as well. But one of the biggest things I've noticed, it, although it's aimed and you can see by design, it's, it's there to attract young drivers. We get such a good influx as well now of, of kind of experienced drivers. They come up and want to experience what we've done. So we've actually opened the kind of or broadened our kind of audience. Um, and I think one of the biggest pluses, we used to just use the one film. We've now got six different films. So not only have we got driving and passengers, we could have a push, a push bike, motorbike, pedestrian, and how to pass a horse safely. So we've got kind of building a library of different um, kind of engagement tools and so we could pick depending where we're going to be delivering we can actually pick a film to suit that audience well that's really good with the spectrum of road users you're covering there talking about coverage um how did the launch go did you get some good media coverage if, if i remember rightly I, uh, we, we couldn't make it because of logistics but it, it was a rather wet day so how did you get on <laughs> the only day of the week it rained was the launch day and it literally yeah hammered it down all day um well no, no it didn't it, it stopped about two o'clock when we'd finished um so ah. yeah it was a very wet start today it didn't dampen the, any kind of spirits or enthusiasm um unfortunately we didn't get a lot of media coverage i think there's other things going on which kind of they felt was possibly more important um but we haven't given up on that we are going to invite them over now the launch is done to come and have a kind of like a one-to-one -one so they can have a look around the van and experience it without, without an audience so we're expecting the kind of the local media to take us upon that over the next one one or two weeks. Brilliant. Well, thanks, Paul. I mean, hopefully you're going to stay with us and, and I've got a few questions for you at the end, but have a listen, uh, uh, stick with it, and we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much, Paul Spade. I, I want to turn now to what Project Edward achieved in terms of highlighting the activity that took place during that week of action, as, as well as keeping the conversation going, you know, keeping road safety firmly on the agenda. And many of the events the road trips visited got some quite significant and on the whole, I think, positive coverage from print, web, TV, radio, media. And the national sort of safe speeds day and the project as a whole were covered in both mainstream and some of the specialist media. Now, the Project Edward team had some extra help with publicity this year. Becky Hadley is a PR guru. I think it's fair to say, specialising in transport, road safety and construction with connections in the 
I think political sphere, uh, as well as road safety companies and some non-profit organisations. Becky, welcome to the podcast. Hi, good to meet you. Welcome. Uh, first of all, now you joined the team, I think it's fair to say you joined the team quite close to our week of action, um, just a few weeks before we got started. A bit of a baptism of fire. How did that go? I want to try and get your first impressions of the project. Well, it felt like trying to catch an express train sort of, you know, whilst quickly running out of a platform. You know, there was a lot going on. And I think, um, you know, and a lot of it was developing very, very close to launch date. Um, So it was it was quite hard to kind of get a grip on what was going on. And it's really interesting to hear what, what Paul was talking about, because, you know, that would have been an absolutely fantastic one to sell into media. Um, And we could have got national TV for something like that. Now, I appreciate, obviously, that it can't necessarily happen if you've got a crowd of other people. But sometimes the media get excited about something that they can't do. So they get, you know, they get kind of keen to have access. So sometimes that can work. But, you know, I would say we've had a fantastic amount of coverage. We've had a real variety of coverage as well. I mean, we we had, you know, the nationals like ITV and um, the Mirror, for example. Um, we've had some of the really kind of important stuff, like, for instance, talking about um, driving safely for work, because about a third of all road collisions involve some driving for work so we've hit all those kind of fleet newspapers that really go out to a vast majority of the of those drivers um and then you know from the point of view of reaching people at home you know we've got we've had tremendous coverage in a lot of the regional media so you know if you live in Stamford you will have read it in the Stamford Mercury Warrington um you know lots going on in Kent all around the country as the team were going around the country um and as all of those events were going on and then you know right to the extreme which was um horse and hound you know because we were doing stuff <laughs> involving horse riders so you know I've been I've been really impressed at, at our reach um and i'd love to have reached even further <laughs> well i bet but i mean horse and hound was it was a highlight i'm sure for uh james my colleague and, and other people that are on that sort of promote um horse riding safely it was it was good news to see us in there but we did quite reach quite a lot of niche and specialist media but i wanted to talk a little bit about the regional media because I think in previous years, Edward has has done quite well in getting that national coverage, but supporting local events with local coverage has been a really big factor in your strategy, hasn't it? Yes, um, and and I think we could do better. You know, um, always looking for ways to um, ways to get bigger and better and, and improve. And um, what I'd like to do is work with the team in kind of gathering all of the activities around the country so that we can highlight what's going on in Wales or what's going on in Scotland or whatever. Um, and because you know, then those regional media can feel that they own part of the process. So, for example, there was a, a lot going on in Cambridgeshire um, and you know and I sort of you know I'd, I'd love to have made more of it and I think you know just what would have been an absolute coup is to get on something like Good Morning Britain or something like that um, you know or, or the one show because those are the things that, um, that get fantastic reach but you know it's also the stories are all out there 
um, amongst people who are doing the launches and things. And um, it's a case of perhaps, you know, letting me know about it so that I can then tell the media out there. Because, you know, it's some, somehow if they hear from it on a national scale, then they realise this is a massive movement. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of uh, my next question about sort of cut through and are there outlets you you feel are your top targets if we do this all again next year? Now, you've mentioned the one show, you've mentioned sort of national news, Good Morning Britain, com- the comfy sofa shows. I think someone <laughs> described them to me as once, <laughs> but they're not if you're getting a grilling from some of the presenters, I'm sure. But are there any other outlets you think this this would be a top target next time around? All of them, really, you know, and, and, and I think I'd like to see almost a sort of, you know, a coming soon as well. Well, you know, a lot more about it's happening next week. Come along to your local local market square. Come and meet these people because, you know, there was lots going on in Ely. Um, and I know, for example, that, um, you know, that was all part of the Cambridgeshire launch of um, Towards Zero and the Safe System. But it was, you know, it could have been flagged up well in advance. And there are lots of reasons why it wasn't. And, you know, but but I think, you know, let's let's not beat ourselves up. We had, you know, we had fantastic coverage in, in Kent. We were having... Um, a big event there and you know there were tv tv crews all over the place um camera crews and so on and then you know the the things that were going on with the police everywhere were absolutely fantastic and of course one of the things about project edward is it's fantastically visual you know lots of color lots of high vis uh, lots of flashing lights and so on so you know it does make for a great for great tv i think yeah, absolutely. I, I think the team will take your point back about teasers and trailers as well. Um, I want to ask you to, to just two quick questions, really. And, and and as you know, because you've met a lot of them, Project Edward couldn't really do what it does without the support of its sponsors. I mean, they're varied in their massively varied in their size and, and what they do. It's it's a real mixed bag and a lot of work goes into acknowledge their support. But there's a lot they can do themselves, isn't there? And, and have you got a few top tips for just briefly to the sponsors to sort of maximise the publicity they get from being involved in this sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously a lot depends on how big their communication teams are. But, um, you know, it, it's a great thing to say something, you know, at the bottom of their regular press releases on their postmarks and things like that, just to say we are a proud sponsor of Project Edward, which gets the message out there as well. Um, then, you know, I would suggest that they do their own publicity um, you know, ahead of the event to say what they're going to be doing, um, and that means again that it raises the awareness and you know, and have certain things kind of clear as well in your own mind about what you say about yourself and about your organisation because very large organisations will have what you call a boiler boilerplate which is you know this organization is the biggest in the country blah 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 um you know but some companies just haven't quite worked out how they view themselves so and, and i think the other thing i would say about sponsors is try to try to remember that this is part of a large um, item so make your make your company awareness as um, consumer friendly as possible um, you know if you if you manufacture an incredibly technical gadget then tell us about how it's used in 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 public or in households or on the streets or whatever because that makes for a much more colorful message for um, for the media out there yeah and I think some of those same principles will probably apply to people and I guess the organizations that are actually putting together the, the activity, you know, the practitioners. I mean, it's important they get their voices heard. But have you got some advice for securing good local media coverage? Maybe just two or three key things that if they, they, they must do, if they do anything, they need to do these. Yeah, I, I, 
would say get in touch with your local um, your local newspaper um, and radio station because they're bound to be interested um, and then you know who um, who covers your kind of regional news and, and let them know what's going on there's some really interesting things going on and if they know that there's something going on on Wednesday at half past nine they can get a camera crew the, the, the downside for anyone and just to be aware of this is if you are trying to get um, you know big hitting local TV um, they will not commit until the last minute and that's always a bit it's a bit of um, a sort of bit kind of nail edge you know seat of the pants sort of stuff you know even when we had um, ITV at Kent we had BBC as well in Kent you know they wouldn't really commit until the day before and that's because the news agenda is always so unpredictable but you know keep plugging away and um you know and i would say that it's a good opportunity to tell the media quite a long time in advance so they can get it into their diaries and they know that this is happening on that day um and then they'll they'll be more likely to get it crew along and make it as interesting as possible make sure from a regional point of view that you've got local people involved as well because that's what that's the remit of local media is to serve the local area thanks becky really appreciate that please stick around um social media i want to talk about now because it's always been a big part of project edward i mean since the early years when twitter chose the project as sort of one of its highlighted and curated moments you know getting the world out, word out about local um activity and, and road safety messaging as a whole across a range of channels oh well it's been vital now neil juice smith is our social media lead and if you were watching our live broadcast you will have seen updates from neil in i think it was each and every one so neil first of all welcome to the podcast hi neil Good to uh, be here again. Good to see you again. Can't believe it's been a week, but uh, we spoke, I think, fairly extensively in that that final live broadcast on the Friday about the pure numbers, you know, what we managed to achieve in terms of, well, reach is the word, isn't it? Can you just give us a really quick recap of that, please? Yeah, we we monitored several different aspects across social media, um, but um, as you alluded to there, Twitter has always been our primary comms channel um, on social media. Um, and so the, the the Project Edward hashtag itself um, in the dark world of social media analytics and statistics, it hit 48.5 million impressions um, to 6 million unique users. Um, I just had a look this morning and, and even though Edward has finished, that's now gone up to 49.3 million um, because once we've got this, this stone rolling, it doesn't stop immediately. It does roll on into the next few days. So it's actually gone up. Um, People still talking that about was, it. Um, yeah, so that was just short of seven thousand tweets, six thousand nine hundred and sixty-two tweets over over the over the period um, from the launch on the fourth of June, the launch of the hundred-day countdown. Um, we also looked at fit for the road, which was our theme, um, but was also a hashtag that was used by many, and that hit twelve point one million um, impressions. And has actually, since the the end of Edward, has actually seen more increase than Project Edward itself. That's gone up to 13.5. And another 243 tweets since Friday. So uh, the, the, the message is still out there and still going strong. Pretty good. I mean, just just briefly tell us about your, your Tweet of the Day competition, because that was an idea you had of, of just highlighting some of the key messages, some of the best messages that went out. Just just tell us how that went, up, how that went on. Yeah, um, I think... With, with social media, it's very easy to be seduced by large numbers and, and great big reach figures and, and somebody puts yes, a tweet out that you know, brings hundreds of thousands of impressions in one hit and you think, that's amazing. But actually, sometimes it's some of the smaller things that are going on um, and it's great to highlight some of 
the, the little niche things that are happening here and there and around the country where people are just doing something off their own bat. And and that has always been the beauty of, of Project Edward is that because we're we don't focus on one specific element of road safety. We're not focusing on seatbelts or, or drink drive or speed. We're focusing on everything. So it gives this huge palette of content that people can use to deliver content onto social for us. And so we get absolutely loads of what we call UGC, user generated content, but people posting something that's important to them where they are that they can bring into the the the, the sphere of of project edward um and so the tweet of the day thing was great and um it gives us an opportunity to just highlight some really good stuff going on where people are getting involved and the one that really there were there were several during the week but the one that really really sticks out for me was from um, a little nursery school in Cumbernauld and they were doing word yeah. searches looking for different words within it and then the the teacher had been in touch prior to Edward week asking about whether they could use the pledge and and all kinds of things and they posted some photographs and I thought that's great and it really beautifully hooked in to things that um, the CEO of UK Road, Ruth Purdy, said at the Manston um, launch event about the fact that road safety needs to be this sort of, she didn't use these words, but a cradle-to-grave learning experience for everybody. You start very young and you continue to learn right the way through your whole life. And you think, what yeah. a great thing for Lovely everybody message. where we can highlight youngsters who are getting that road safety input. And, and that was good from my experience of seeing that coming in at a very early years. Um, just outside of Project Edward, I mean, you're quite well known on Twitter in road safety and other circles. I think it's fair to say you, you, you give advice on that sort of thing, on tweeting and social media presence, personal brand, road safety, that sort of thing. I know it's a cause you're dedicated to. I've known you for years and, and, and know you are. But again, it's a top tips question, I guess. I mean, what, do you, what would you say are the must-dos for people campaigning on road safety for getting noticed, really noticed on social media? The same thing that I've always said, really, is authenticity and transparency. And the key word for me, um, through all my time through policing on social media and, uh, and, and now sort of the, since I've left the police, is that there's two words in social media and the first one is social. And in order to be social on social media, or in order to succeed on social media, you have to be social. And that means you have to communicate people. You have to talk with people. Um, you have to um, become involved in the conversations that are starting to strike up as a result of the work that you're doing and be prepared to put that time in. Um, and sometimes that can be something as simple as uh, in, for example, with Project Edward is when somebody posts something with the Project Edward hashtag, we just click like to say to that user, we've seen your message. Thank you very much. You know, we're not going to reply. We're not going to do anything else with it at the time being, but we've seen it and we acknowledge it and we say thank you. Um, and, and for me, it's always about being social. It's it's what you would do if you were talking to people in the coffee shop or in the supermarket or whatever you're just doing it on an online platform it's being polite being courteous um and and building up um, you build up a reputation and a, and a following as part of your brand of what you represent uh, and what you're about and that brings people in if your content 
strikes a chord with them. Yeah, wise words. Well, thanks, Neil, and, and thanks for all your work over the last few weeks. Now, um, I'm going to bring in uh, Becky and Paul again, just for this final thing. I'm going to give each of you the floor for just 30 seconds, and I'm going to ask you one question, just to take the temperature of the initiative, really. And obviously, your answer is probably going to be informed by what you think let's be honest, maybe didn't go as well as you thought or something that the project missed. And the, the question is, where would you like to see the project go next year? What's possible and what's realistic? Now, I'm going to be quite firm on time and give you that floor for 30 seconds. And I'm going to give Neil a quick break. I'm going to come to you in the order that I came to you uh, for the broadcast as a whole. So I'll start start with you, Paul. Where do you think things can go? Oh, it's looking at the next kind of stage of um, innovation. And we're looking where what we can do with the van. We've already kind of planning next year to add steering wheels and uh, pedals to the seats and we've already seen a program where the students will be able to do a, a drive in the virtual world which will include reversing using your side mirrors so we're already looking at the next stage so we can move it to the next level it's all about having that engaging immersive environment something where the students are going to go i want to go on that and they come up queue up and away we go education thanks um, thank you and becky where do you think project edward should go next year Oh, what I'd really love is to get the BBC completely involved and for them as a central unit to actually get all of their regional TV um, stations as well getting involved because I think that would have a huge impact and you know, and you almost couldn't escape knowing that it was happening. That's what I really want. <laughs> and Neil? Um, I think really, as I'm looking at social, is that I would say that we've primarily looked at Twitter and, and Facebook as our, our platforms, but I think Instagram for us now with its visual aspect is doing... Um, is opening up some windows for us I'd like to see us using reels and stories more in that I think LinkedIn as a professional body is becoming more relevant to Edward than it ever was before and the final thing for me is I would like to see the three of you guys that were doing it this year to do a end of day wrap up where you have like a chat show sort of format and and talk about the day and discuss where you've been and what you've done and, and, and do an end of day live broadcast every day that's a round up of everything that's gone on I'm sure that can be uh, arranged Thank you, Neil. So a uh, big thanks to my guest, Paul Spate of Leicestershire Fire and Rescue, Becky Hadley, our PR lead, and Neil Dewson-Smith, our social media lead. And that's almost it for this edition of the Project Edward podcast. As you probably know by now, the next one will be with you in a fortnight. And as I always say, if you found it to be of interest, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got any comment on what you've heard, you know the hashtag now, Project Edward. But before we go, I just want to leave you with the words of my podcast colleague and Project Edward's founder, James Luckhurst, speaking on our final live broadcast and reflecting on the results from Safe Speeds Day. I think it's vital that we look at the fact that speed exercise that we that we organised on Wednesday and Thursday. I'd like to have thought we would have had no casualties, no fatalities, but we had more than average. And it just shows that there is so much to do, but it is in every individual's hands and in their feet that to make a difference on every journey. And if we can somehow reach out and, and go beyond the, 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 the where we are at the moment to, to reach the people who perhaps are a little bit harder to reach and persuade them that, you know, it is in everyone's hands to make a difference. The producer of this episode was Peter Baker. My name's Neil Barrett. Thank you for listening. <laughs>